Ben Moore has been in love with bees for as long as anyone can remember. And as far as we can tell, the feeling is entirely mutual. Although he still sometimes feels the sting of his passion. Hang around, learn a little. It's as sweet as honey and always a buzz. It's the Ultimate Pollinators Podcast with Ben, his friends and associates, and of course, Ben's Bees. Hey everyone, Bees with Ben. I'm excited to be back and I hope everyone had an awesome, fantastic Christmas and of course, Happy New Year. Now, super excited for this guest because this guest is an absolute celebrity. Uh, He's a Welshman and got the coolest name like this. I'm just thinking Braveheart. It's absolutely the coolest name. Uh, he's a Welshman. Uh, he actually does some really cool things on TV, and he's just done some filming for the Discovery Channel, which uh, we'll get to see. That'll get aired in Australia later on this year. Uh, also on BBC Radio, does some uh, things from time to time, and an awesome, awesome beekeeper. So I'm absolutely super excited to talk to this Welshman. And you know what? There's a couple of interesting facts that I didn't know about Wales you're about to hear, and also... An interesting problem when it comes to bees. That's something I've never heard of. Something that makes a big, dirty hole on the side of your beehive. So, uh, once again, thank you. And uh, here we have uh, this awesome Welshman. Wow, I'm super excited for this episode. I've got the absolute coolest beekeeper with the coolest name. Uh, so I'm really, really absolutely super pumped uh, to talk to Welshman. Greft, how you doing, my friend? Hey, Ben, how are you? Yeah, good, man. This is I'm super excited. Thank you so much for your time because it's about, uh, oh, what are we, 11 hours behind? I think it's uh, what's about 8 p.m. here, about 9 a.m. your time there, Greft? That, that's it. Both, both sides of the world on one call. <laughs> That's awesome. That powers technology. That is awesome. Now, we're gonna, before we start co- talking about bees and everything, man, you uh, got the coolest name. Like, I'm just thinking Braveheart. It's just like, it's absolutely the coolest name. So, so for the listeners, uh, I'm going to put this in the show notes because it's absolutely, you and your wife is absolutely, so, so tell us how you spell it and tell us how you pronounce it, your full name. So, the, the, the way you spell it is Griff. Is so G R U double F Y double D, and it's a it's an old ancient Welsh name. It used to be uh, kings and everything called Griffith, and uh, yeah, it's, it's quite a, quite a cool name. There's still not many Griffiths or Griffs in Wales. Uh, it's still quite a unique name, but it's, it's a really really old Welsh name. And uh, my wife then she is called Ang Harad, which is another old Welsh name. And uh, a lot of people don't realise you know, where where we live in Wales. We actually speak Welsh. Welsh is our first language. English is our second language. There you go. Because it's over, I think it's done a bit of research, there's over 3 million um, people living in Wales. So so that's interesting. I, I did not know that. So Welsh is your first language. So, so, so to, to, Yeah. And, yeah, go, sorry, go. And uh, Welsh is actually the oldest language or one of the oldest languages in Europe as well. That is so cool. Give us something in uh, Welsh. Give us something in... Uh, uh, that's and I, I just said, uh, good morning, Ben. Uh, how, how are the bees doing with you at the moment? 
<laughs> that is that's awesome. That is absolutely absolutely love it. And thank you so much for your time, man. They're really uh, excited for this episode. So so keeping bees. I've done a bit of travelling. I was lucky enough to be UK, but unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to go to Wales. But it's a good excuse to uh, to come and see you uh, during your spring and summer, which is uh, our downtime here in Australia. But but you know, bees. When did it all first kick off for you, Brev? How did it all happen? Uh, it started off, I always wanted a farm. You know, my parents didn't own a farm or anything, but my, my grandfather lived next to one. He lived on a farm. So I spent a bit of time with him, checking the cows, checking the sheep, and, you know, built a real interest up for farming, you know, get, producing something off the land and having a crop. Um, but I couldn't do that. My parents didn't have a farm. So I went off to university. I did countryside management. So I, I learned, uh, you know, working in the countryside along, alongside the farmers. Um, did that for a few years, but, the, the itch was still there, you know, I, I still wanted to farm something, I wanted to keep some kind of animal to produce a crop. Well, as, as everybody knows, you don't need much land to keep bees, because yes. you, you put bees in other people's land, and obviously bees fly in other people's land. So I got into beekeeping, I got given two hives by a, bee, uh, a farmer friend, someone had died uh, probably about 20 years before, and he had a site there in the wood, and out of all the hives that were there, two were, were well half rotted and but there was bees in there. Um, took them home and uh, that's that's how the journey began for me. Then really uh, working full time, building up the numbers as I went on and as time progressed on and my bee numbers went up. Um, I reduced my hours down in my job, so I went down a four day week, three day week, um, and we're we're at the stage where we are now. And Harad, uh, she's full time running the business. We've just employed someone now as well part time. And there's me, so there's three of us now um, on, on the bee business then. Um, we do a lot more than just honey. We, we sell beekeeping supplies as well. We do beekeeping training. Uh, we sell nukes of bees as well. So we've, we've got um, multiple sources of income w- within the beekeeping sector. And I think that's uh, a, a very important thing to do. Yes, um, Wales, Wales being a country, um, we don't get massive honey crops. Um, so to safeguard the business and to safeguard our income and, and to allow us to grow, we need to diversify a bit within the beekeeping sector. Um, and we just wanted to be in um, all the different sectors within beekeeping, really, you know, uh, a one-stop shop for bees. So we started off just being a honey company, but now with a, a beekeeping company, we, we, we try and do everything within that sector. Awesome. I'm going to put in the show notes your website because you've got a really – Cool website. We're going to talk about a few of those things uh, in there. So, but just let's just go back a little step. So, um, you're in a little town, like a rural town called uh, Carmanthshire. Is that correct? That's it. Carmanthshire is the county, and then with, within Carmanthshire, within Trisloin. Oh, okay. Okay, you 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 make that sound so much cooler than I do. I don't know. My, <laughs> I, I think my my, my, my my Aussie accent just doesn't do do it justice. So. <laughs> <laughs> And, and the cool thing about Dristrin is, is that there's actually a medieval castle in Dristrin as well. Oh, that's what, and how old's the castle? Oh, uh, thousands of years old. Oh, thousands, so cool. I think it's, um, I, I, can't, I can't remember exactly, but um, yeah, it's, it's thousands of years old. That is that is so cool. That is absolutely awesome. Uh, it, it's interesting, you know, different countries like Australia. We are so new. When I say new as far as white uh, settlers, um, next, well, actually this year. Yeah, 2022 in Australia marks 200 years since the bees have been uh, in Australia, which is very interesting. But um, so now, now yeah, to, wow. Which is uh, yeah. So when you compare it to you know you got castles there that are 
you know, thousands of years old. So to put that in sort of an interesting perspective, obviously we've had, you know, Indigenous people here for, you know, tens and thousands of years, but, you know, the white settlers are coming over with Captain Cook, which was interesting. Um, so so talking, keeping bees in Wales. Now, I, I think, you know, UK, you know, have some tough winters. So, so talk us through... Gruff, your actual, your flows, your weather conditions and uh, the challenges of being a beekeeper? Yeah, that, that's a really good question because when everybody thinks of the UK, you know, they, they think of England and, uh, you know, England weather is, is pretty good. But when you, when you break the UK down, you've got Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland and England. Probably Wales gets the, the brunt of the bad weather when it comes to rain anyway. If it's if snow and cold and Scotland tends to get the worst of that. Uh, but Wales, where we are, the topography, the mountains you've got here, um, the, the, the biggest problem we have got is the amount of rain we get, and we, we get a huge amount of rain. Um, Farming-wise, we're in dairy country, so there's lots of dairy farms, and dairy farms are here because the grass is green, we get a lot of rain, the soil is nutritious, so the grass can grow, and you know it's, it's great for, for milk production. Um, it's, it's good, but when, when we get the weather, it's really good. Because you've got rich soils, lots of lots lots of rain, um, small fields. In Wales, we've got very very small fields. The big difference driving over to England compared to Wales. So we've got lots of small fields. We've got lots of hedgerows, lots of woodlands, lots of rivers, great forage areas for wildflowers. So when we get the weather, we produce a fantastic wildflower honey, and you know it, it sells pretty much straight away. Um, the problem we've got in the UK, we can't produce enough honey. So it's okay. about to break down how much honey we consume in the UK. Yep. So out of all the beekeepers in the UK, we can only produce 14% of the demand. Wow. So 86 or 87% percent then needs to be imported just, just to fuel the demand of, of honey consumption within the UK. Okay. Now, if we break the 14% down into what is actually Welsh, it's probably less than 1%. So we're producing a very niche product. People want it, um, and because because of the type of ground we've got here, you know, we're dairy farming. We're not arable farming. There's hardly any pesticide use, okay. uh, especially in my part of Wales, because we have, we have got the arable crops. Yes. So that the pesticide the pesticide residue levels within our Welsh honey is very very low. Probably within the lowest. Um, I wouldn't say in the world because you know you got you got parts of the world which is organic. We, we we're not organic by any means. Yeah. Um, but there's it, a very nice, delicious honey, and you, know, you can pretty much uh, guarantee it's from wildflower, not any other kind of um, flowering crop that, that farmers grow. Interesting. Okay. And, and so, Grafter, when, when does your season sort of fire up? Like, you know, talk us through over the year when it actually starts up. So, we, we, we start off ideally end of March if, if the weather is good. The last two seasons, the spring has been very, very poor, very cold. Winter's held on a bit too long but ideally we like to start end of march get get inspecting the bees see 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 what's viable um come may then uh, the honey crop starts to come in so if, we, if we're very lucky we'd get a, a spring crop um something off the dandelion some you know the the hawthorn the blackthorn that type of stuff um if we if we're lucky some years we don't get any any kind of spring crop it's, it's just a, a summer crop but in the spring in the the springtime there we do all this the part the biggest part of our splits so we split all the strong hives any nukes uh that we haven't sold that are starting to build up again we lock them back again split them down and just try and prolong swarming to try get the bees to peak in the summer so we can take advantage of of the main honey crop and 
Um, unfortunately, this is the one big crop we get in Wales. We, we've got to try and make that work. Uh, clover, bramble, um, that's where the majority of the honey comes in. Um, if we're lucky then towards the tail end of the summer, I'm not sure if you've got this in Australia, we've got a plant called Himalayan balsam. Oh, wow. It's an invasive weed, uh, pink flower, and it's actually got an exploding pod on it. Okay. Um, if we're very lucky, we get like a, what we call an Indian summer, so a, a mild end of the summer, we may get a, a honey crop off that as well, and that can bump up the, the summer crop. And towards the end, then we, we treat for varroa mites. Unfortunately, we've got varroa mites in the UK, Wales as well. Okay. Uh, we, we, treat, we treat bees mainly with apivar on, on that front. Uh, we find apivar works pretty good. And, you know, there's, there's no rush to get the honey off, to get the time of that treatment on and, and to utilize the heat. Because you can lose the heat quick, quick at the end of summer. We tend to use apivar. But then last year, it was, it was very, very mild autumn, and some of the bees produced um, ivy honey, which, which, oh, is, okay. which was delicious. Yes, yes. Um, so we had, we, we had a little crop of ivy honey last year. Um, for some beekeepers then, we don't, we're not far from the Brecon beacons. We, we get good heather honey. Um, we don't get a huge amount of it, but uh, if, the, if the weather is good, we've, we've got uh, some decent moors um, that the bees can produce a crop of heather honey off, off the moors if we're lucky. That is awesome. Fantastic. That's, and what sort of kilos do you sort of work on you know, that you like on average um, you know, per hive um, per year? Is there, is there a, a, like, a, like a benchmark that you try and work on? Well, we, we, I think the best we've ever had is six hoopers off a single hive and every hooper is roughly, call it 13 kilo. Um, so that, that's, that's the best case scenario we're dealing with is say 60 kilo off a hive. Okay. Um, we, we don't get that very often. Um, average year, you'd be talking two boxes, two boxes of honey off hive, and you're talking there uh, 20, well, just less than 30 kilo a hive for year. So these, these numbers are tiny for you guys in, in Australia, you know, honey crop wise. Um, but, it, but in Wales, you know, that, that, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of crop we get. And unfortunately, some years, you know, I remember three years ago, we, we literally had almost no honey at all. You know, it was, um, it, we 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 struggled. Wow. Um, if 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 I if I only relied on the honey that I produced, we we would have been in in big trouble three years ago. Wow. Okay. Wow. And, and um and what what about the bees themselves? Are you using like a like a buckfast sort of bee, or you've got your own Welsh sort of uh, indigenous bee? Yeah. Well, that's that's, that's a good question. So we, I keep two types of bees. I've got I've got the native what I call well I say native Welsh black bees as as native as you can get locally bred black bees. Um, we've got them, but we've also got a lot of buckfast bees as well. Um, and where, where we are in Wales, if we get a, a cold, wet, damp summer, then the, the black bees, the Welsh black bees, tend to do a little bit better. But on the good summers, we get plenty of heat, and the buckfast outshine the Welsh black bees, you know, tenfold, well, not quite tenfold, but um, at, at least double them anyway. Um, they, they, can, they can really bring in the honey when you need it. The only downside of the buckfast in Wales is we, we get a cold winter, the buckfast tends to cluster quite large. The nest is quite large, so they consume a lot more feed. Where the Welsh black bees, they shrink down right up into a little ball, basically, and um, they, they don't need much feed in. So pros and cons on the two types of bees. Um, I, I think it's nice having uh, a UK native bee or you know the, the European black bee. They're the same bee. But as a commercial beekeeper, then you know it's nice having. Um, I compare them cattle. You know the buck the buckfast. It's your continental breeds, your, yes. your Belgian blues, your Charolais, your limousines. 
where you have Welsh black bees are in more traditional herefords, Welsh black uh, cattle, Aberdeen Angus, smaller but a bit more hardy. Yeah, so I like that analogy with the uh, with the cattle. That's that's cool. And, and what about the temperament? The, the Welsh, uh, the Welsh, you know, black bee. What's the temperament like, Raft? Yeah, not not the not the best. They're not they're not the best. They they can they can be a bit aggressive. Um, they they can be horrendous to work with sometimes, uh, depending on on the particular hive. But as a rule, they're they're okay. They're not horrendously bad. But compare them to the buckfast. You, know, you, you when I'm making buckfast nukes, if you're buying queens in, putting buckfast in, you, know, you, you can go back to that to those nukes and not even wear a suit. Yes. Where you can't do that with the Welsh black bees, you know, you've got to wear a suit okay. handling them. Okay, they come and get you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one or, or two of them will always try and get you. Yes, <laughs> that's uh, that's funny. It's interesting because always the dark Australian bees have always got that. You know, I call them got more of spunk about them. They want to. Want to you know land a stinger in your skin? So it's actually uh, yeah, like, and I, and I think that uh, you know it's they, they've been a, they've been around a long time. They, they've you know they've uh, you know genetic wise they've they've seen a lot of things. Uh, you know they they're probably quite used to you know badgers coming around ripping up the hive yes. or other yeah. kinds of animals back in the day. You know the the genetic code is you know hundreds or thousands of years old. So they've evolved over the time and you know ad- adapted to, to different strains. No, and, it's, and I think some parts of maybe not Europe, but I think they're on the uh, southern European countries. You know, I think they, I think there's one part of the country that they've, they've got bears as well. So you know, the the, the bee is has to adapt to all those kinds of threats. Really. So you know, bee being aggressive is is a good survival uh, trait in in a, in a wild animal. Yeah, so, so true. And you just mentioned badgers. So are badgers an issue? You know, for you keeping keeping bees in your hives. After they um, I've I've never seen it on my bees, but I I do know badgers have tipped a few hives and, and, and try to get at the bees. Um, that that is that is definitely something that does happen. Not very often, but it's something that can happen. Yes. Um, biggest threat we've got animal wise, we we have got anything scary in Wales, like like you've got over there in Australia. <laughs> nothing, yes. nothing, nothing can really kill you uh, in Wales. Um, woodpecker damage can can be a bit of an issue, maybe really? some parts of England. Yeah, so we, we've got the green woodpecker. We got we got I think we've got three woodpeckers in in the UK. So we've got a green one, we've got and we've got two then black and red ones. A greater and lesser spotted woodpecker. Those 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 guys don't really do anything to the bees, but the green woodpecker um, in the winter they will bore a hole in the side of the beehive and start eating the grubs. Um, so so some people got put like a, a chicken mesh around the hive. Uh, to stop the woodpecker going to it, um, it's not really a big issue, and it's, it's not really common, but that does happen. Probably the, the biggest threat we've got is actually uh, livestock. You know, if, yes. if you don't fence your bees off, cows and sheep will come in and rub against the hives and the stand, and uh, they, they, they can tip your bees over. That's that's probably the, the biggest risk we've got to deal with animal-wise. Now we haven't got any possums or kangaroos or. Uh, any anything else you know that uh, potentially uh, damage the hive, you know. That's, that's so interesting about the woodpeckers. Like I've I've travelled uh, around a lot and and spoken to many beekeepers, and it's so interesting. I've never ever had anyone mention you know woodpeckers, and it makes sense. You know, we don't have any woodpecker species here in Australia, but it makes sense. You're gonna you know bore a big hole in the side of your your beehive. So how interesting is that? That's really incredible. Yeah, well, you know, we think of what's in the hive, honey, pollen, lots of high-protein yeah. bees. 
you know, it's just it's a perfect winter food source for them, you know? Exactly, yeah, interesting. And and with the badgers, you mentioned obviously the badgers are not so much of an issue, but are they, they're protected in, in Wales? Oh, yeah, they're, they're right across the UK, so um, you can't interfere with a badger, you can't interfere with its pet or anything. Um, so, you know, if, if a badger is uh, affecting your hives, then, you know, you just got to strap them down a bit tighter okay. or... Um, fence fence the site off a bit better. Um, they're the high, highly protected. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Absolutely fascinating. And and uh, Graf, so what what's the the best part about beekeeping for you? What do you love the most? I just love being outside, producing the crop, bringing that crop home to the farm, harvesting it, putting it in the jar, and then you, you've got something that's yours to sell. You know that that you've actually gone out into the wild, out into nature. And you produce something totally natural alongside nature, yes. and you know the, the the art of producing honey. You know we we'll be doing it as humans since since the beginning of man, basically. You know uh, as far back you know, back to the far ages in the, within the pyramids, they found honey there. You know that's that's how old beekeeping is, and it's just keeping that old tradition going. And you know honey is such a a, a good food source. It's a, it's a, such a good pharmaceutical product. Um, you know, it's, it's nature's natural medicine, really, and uh, we, we're going out there and producing that. And and I, I love seeing our honey in the shop. You know, seeing seeing that jar there and that label, and think, wow, look look at that mix mix all that hard work worthwhile. Yeah, love it, absolutely love it. And, and you mentioned obviously sort of working on the farm. It's now I'm going to put this in the show notes because you've got an awesome Instagram channel as well as um, on YouTube. But you're you're working with um, other livestock too, not just bees. Yeah, that's it. So we, we've got we've got a small farm. So we, we've got some Dorset sheep, poor Dorset sheep. We we rear lambs. We sell lambs uh, into the food chain. So either into meat, or we'll breed uh, breeding sheep and sell them for breeding. Uh, we keep calves in, so we'll buy uh, young calves in. We'll uh, feed the milk on the bottle for a few weeks, uh, bring them on to roughly about a year old, then and then we sell them off to a, a bigger farm, then a big fattening unit. Uh, we finish all the calves off, so we we do a little bit of that. Uh, but but the farming side of what we do is uh, we, when we look at the size of how farming is got is, is microscopic really. Um, it's just uh, it's just I really enjoy doing that as well. You know, it it helps pay pay some of the bills. Yes. Um, but I I, re- I really enjoy it. But the the, the biggest side of our business is is hunting. We we produce uh, a couple of ton ourselves every year. Um, bee, bee farmers in Wales supply us with Welsh honey as well, so we 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 bulk buy Welsh honey in from other bee farmers in Wales as well, because um, we we sell honey wholesale now. We we sell uh, two wholesalers. We sell right across the UK, awesome. um, into shops direct through either Amazon or our own website, um, that type of thing. So the, the honey side is is the biggest side of our business, as we we've got we've grown a strong Welsh brand. People are looking for Welsh honey, and um, we, we, we're bringing that out into the market. Um, and the, one of the hardest things for businesses, really, when we live in a country where a lot of honey isn't produced, it's getting enough, uh, you know, to, to sell. So we, we, we're looking now in, in, into increasing our range, maybe offering a, a British range uh, label to sit alongside the Welsh, something we can grow into the rest of the UK. Um, but yeah, that that's the biggest side of the business, and I think the next side, the biggest side of the business, then is the beekeeping supplies. Um, a lot, lot of hobby beekeepers in the UK, 
um, I think much more than a lot of different countries. You know, the bee farming side in the UK is qu- is quite small, okay. but the hobby side of the business is is quite large. So there's a, there's a market and an opportunity there to you know teach people how to keep bees and uh, supply them with equipment and bees. You know, so that that's becoming uh, the, the second main income source of the business. That, that's fantastic. And so, how many you know, sort of hobbyist beekeepers are you sort of helping sort of per year? Roughly, sort of graphed out. Roughly, how many sort of you know is it like? Going, that's that's yeah. a really good question. So, with yeah. within the spring and summer, we we do two training days on the farm, and that'll be eight people each. Uh, so it was a sixteen a month. We we train directly ourselves. Um, I'm actually in with the Welsh government on their farming connect scheme. So the, the Welsh government at the minute is uh, incentivizing farmers to diversify their farms, to diversify the, the farm portfolio. So they've got, um, again, multiple sources of income. You know, I, I can't emphasise how important it is having multiple sources of income. You know, the, the Welsh government is, is helping farmers do that at the minute. And uh, one aspect of diversification is actually getting farmers into beekeeping. Okay. So whether they, they, they want to start beekeeping, produce, produce a honey crop themselves, or use beekeeping as... Um, an extra tourist branch to say a farmer um, we, we get a lot of pods and glamping that's, that's a big thing in the UK at the minute so people pay a lot of money to, to, to sleep in a posh tent in the field okay. um, a, lot, really? a lot of city people like like, like, like yeah like doing that at the minute so you know they, they're going back especially with COVID you know people, people will be going on holiday and, and staying within the UK so um, farms are really becoming a big tourist destination really um, they, they put in um like uh, pods, we call them. It's, it's like a, a timber chalet-looking okay. thing with a hot tub and, and a posh bed and a TV and a fireplace, you know, and uh, you know, people think it's great. Oh, sounds so awesome. Farmers are first into that. And, you know, as part of that, then, they could put hives there and just, just make everything um, more natural and more, and more eco, you know. So um, it's just that's a big thing that's happening in the, in the UK at the minute. You know, pe- people want wild and natural and, and they want this picturesque landscape and um i think your know, bees fit in really well with, with all of that you know yeah it's so it's so interesting it's obviously this um covid you know we're all probably sick of talking about it but it, it's there's definitely so many positives that have come from it you know like you're mentioning you know i mean it's, oh, it's, oh yeah, yeah and so i mean positives. you know for, for, for wales we're, we're a small country but we're a beautiful country and you know, it's a great place to come on holiday and uh you know better place really than to stay on a farm you know and always you know stuff like uh, people like you and me take for granted you know without without in the countryside all the time but you know if you're from the city and you, and you just walk to Drisloy and you, and you look at the fields you just wow look look at this you know we, we take did you know yeah that's that sounds awesome and that's a sort of holiday you know I would absolutely love uh, it sounds uh, fantastic. Now you mentioned too about obviously you do you do so many cool things. And once again, I'm going to put the your website up in the show show notes. And definitely, uh, listeners, check out um, your your Instagram and YouTube channels because they are really really cool. Uh, but you're also, as I mentioned before, you do so many different things. But you also do schools. You you do like school incursions. So you go to schools and talk to yeah. We yeah. do we do so we. we we offer schools uh, a chance so they, they can adopt their own hive. So we'll, we'll create a brand new hive for the schools. So we'll, we'll, we'll do a nuke. We'll move that nuke into a hive, bring that on into a full-size hive, uh, keep the school up to date with the development of the hive. Um, if, if they want to come down and have a see, a, a, you know, see the hive, learn about bees, 
uh, we, we do that with them. We, we go into schools then and we, we plant uh, wildflower seeds with them in, in pots. So we, we'll, we'll teach them about, you know, the importance of wildflower seeds. And, you know, you plant the, you plant the flower, the flower grows, the bee visits the flower. And then, you know, all, all that about the life cycle, um, you know, it, it brings a nice learning uh, platform around bees and you know it's pretty hands-on and you can see you, know, you can see the hive you can see the flowers grow you know it's very hands-on you know kids kids really like that and then at the end of the year um we will we'll give get every student uh, or pupil a, a small jar of honey hopefully from their own hive if it's, if it's been a pretty good year and uh you know i think that will stay with the kids for life really and uh, hopefully um encourage an interest there and uh, they, they might want to come into this sector later on uh, when, when they're old enough to do so yeah so cool and and so you're you're seeing a growth are you finding that you know especially since covid last two years so you're seeing more and more hobbyist beekeepers sort of you know getting into the into the art of keeping bees yeah so if, if, if i were to break down like the, like like the figure, figures of uh commercial bee farmers compared to hobbyists so i think there's roughly about 500 bee farms uh, in the UK, so that's that's uh, you know individual businesses within the UK. Don't, don't I, I'm not hundred percent. That's that's what I think it is. Then hobby beekeepers, which there's roughly fifty thousand hobby beekeepers in the UK. Okay. But but more honey is produced by the five hundred bee farms than the fifty thousand bee than the fifty thousand hobby bee, ah, okay. beekeepers. So, you know, within those 500 businesses, you know, there's, there's multiple staff and, you know, lots, lots of bees type of thing. But uh, the, the market in the UK definitely for beekeeping is, is aimed at the hobby side of it. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, very, very interesting. And so, and, and the largest commercial beekeeper in Wales, what sort of numbers of hives are they running, roughly? Um, the, the biggest bee farmer in Wales is a friend of mine, David. I think he's roughly got about, Twelve, thirteen hundred hives, but oh, wow. his hives are spread across the UK. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so I think, I think, I think, uh, off the top of my head, these were three, four hundred in Wales. Okay, but um, you know, the, the reason for that is if you move your bees into England, warmer, flatter country with with some arable crops, um, you know, you, you you do get a lot more honey. You know, there's there's no doubt about that. Okay, that, um, your honey crop is 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 much much more. Okay, interesting. And is it easy enough to transport hives going from Wales to to England and vice versa? Is there any sort of protocol you've got? Oh to, yeah, to... there's no, there's there's uh, no protocol at all. With um, we, we've got very lax daily rules around um, life, uh, bees movement. I mean, quite quite strict on sheep and cows. Uh, very very lenient on on bees. So anyone can move bees. No movement, no license um, at all. Uh, funny enough, in the UK, you don't actually have to be registered with the ministry either as well, even though I, I try and advise everybody to. Because, um, you know, we we do get fowl brood in the UK. You know, we've yes. got American fowl brood, European yep. fowl brood. Uh, those those are the biggest problems we've got. I've, I've only had fowl brood once. Uh, I'd go back about four years ago, once on one hive. Um, Wales, again... Uh, because the, the bee farming isn't huge at all, you know, the, the levels of fowl brood is quite low, you know. Yes. Um, but you do get a bit of fowl brood on the heather more. People, everybody moving their bees to the heather, that that could be a bit tricky. And again, in England, you know, especially on the, the pollination uh, parts of the UK, uh, fowl brood tends to linger around those types of areas, you know, where, where, where 
people from across the UK come to one spot, uh, they they could be a bit um, more more problematic areas. But you know, I, I say for we we still you know very very low numbers right across the UK. Really, it's um it's it's not a terrible um, pandemic uh, yes, yes. of disease at all. Really, you know, there's, there's countries out there far far worse off. Uh, with foul rule than we, we are in the UK. Yes, that's so, that's so true. And you just mentioned uh, about pollination. Do you do any pollination services, Grafter, where you actually rent them out? No, so, no, in Wales, I'm not aware of any farmer or grower that will pay for pollination in Wales. Okay. Um, in in England, they do. You know, you've got companies like uh, Bulma Cider. I don't know if you've got Bulma Cider in uh, Australia. Um, but that's, that's a big uh, cider company in, in the UK. You know, companies like Bulmers pays pollination. Um, you know, companies like Unilever, they've, they've got a massive amount of farms and they grow mustard, that type of thing. Um, they, they pay for pollination as well. So, you know, there, there are pollination contracts in, in the UK. Um, far and few between, really. Um, you know, it is, it is a part of the industry and definitely, you know, some bee farmers, that's, that's a, a big part of their income as well. Yes. Okay. Interesting. And and um, plans for the future, Grafter. What, what's what's in the next sort of one to two five years? What do you plan to do with your business? Is there anything you want to do more or less or increase? What what's what's your thoughts there? Yeah, we def- definitely want to increase everything. Really, we want to increase the amount of bees we've got ourselves. I want to increase the the beekeeping supplies shop. Um, so maybe import a bit more. Uh, product from abroad as well, maybe bring some new product into the UK. I'd like, I'd like to do that. Um, just, just continue to grow everything, really. Uh, especially the, the amount of bees I've got on the beekeeping supply shop. Definitely want to grow on that. Um, that's where my priorities are going to be. Um, definitely for the next two or three years. If I, if I can employ, be in a position to employ more staff as well, I'd like to do that as well. Um, and you know, grow a successful rural business. In Drisloin in Wales, and uh, you know, based on bees, you know, I think uh, not a lot of people have done that in Wales. Um, not a lot of people have done that at all, really, UK wise. Um, so I'd, I'd like to be uh, one of those guys that are, that have done that. Then, okay. And what about numbers? Like, increase your hives, your uh, numbers of hives, or you're happy with it? Where yeah, yeah. So we, we're roughly at the minute around when in the winter with roughly about 140 units. Yes. Um, come. The height of summer, I'd like like that to be around 200. Uh, that's what I'd like to be this year. Yes. See how I can cope with that. And uh, if I can cope with that, just just here, I'll uh, I'll continue to grow. But if I need a bit more help on the bees, then um, I'll, I'll try and get some someone to help me out then uh, to allow me to keep keep growing the bee numbers. But um, that's that's the, that's the biggest thing within within the UK. Most bee farmers. They're roughly around 250, 300 colonies as a one-man band. Yes. Um, yeah. Anything more than you've, you've got to get a bit of, bit of staff in or a bit of help. Yeah, there you go. How interesting is that? And uh, now hopefully, uh, Apomondia in Russia, are you going to that, Graft? Are you, you're planning on going there? Yeah, well, that's, I, I am definitely thinking of it because uh, that's one place I'll, I'll be able to meet a lot of suppliers you know, across the world, you know, see, see what's out there within, within the beekeeper sector. And uh, I have always wanted to visit Russia. So yeah, if, if all things goes well, COVID is not a problem. I'm very, very tempted to go. Yes, it should be. Well, hopefully, same here. If it all, see how the whole COVID thing goes, because we're getting smashed here again with it all. But at the moment, but anyway, it is what it is. But yeah, we'll see how it goes. But hopefully, uh, 
yeah, we'll be able to uh, talk face-to-face. It'll be absolutely awesome. And I just want to say thank you so much for your time. This is absolutely fascinating, and I'm still amazed by the woodpeckers. That's really cool, cool in a, in a, weird, in a weird sort of way. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, so thank you so much for your time. And once again, I'll put your show notes um, up on the uh, the website, and I really appreciate your time, Grant. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you very much, Ben. I'll be done. You too. Take care. All the best. How awesome was that episode with Gruff? That is absolutely amazing. Uh, and so so many things to learn. And even just with uh, Wales, I did not know they had their own language. And that's their first language uh, with English being a second. So really cool. Um, so absolute shout out to Gruff for, uh, for his time with doing that because he's a busy, busy man. So um, really super excited to be rolling out these podcasts, try and get them out every week. And I've, once again, I've got some amazing guests lined up. Really, really cool. But don't forget, if you want to hear someone, let me know. Shoot me for a text message, um, 0437 uh, Send me a text. Um, if you're overseas, put a plus 61437 if you're overseas. And uh, any feedback? You know, this is, uh, this is about you, the listener. How can I make it better? Now, I know sometimes your audio is not the best, but you know, other than that, is there something you'd like to, am I talking too much, uh, not enough? You know, is there any questions, you know, any specific questions I should ask? So let me know. And uh, once again, I just want to say thank you so, so much for listening. I'm absolutely really humbled that you uh, listened to this because it's just hit over 50,000 plays this podcast so it's really really cool and i'm excited to do it and i am really super appreciative and if you got time a uh, little uh review would be amazing but you don't have to there's no stress but it's uh that would if you've got time to take out you know 30 60 90 seconds of your time to do a little review would be amazing and once again thank you so much for listening